Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I am James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. I don't have more to share on terms of an intelligence assessment. We've got that story. Plus the one brain chip challenge, but first, the media is melting down and neither billionaires nor journalists can do anything to stop it. A wistful tale from The Hollywood Reporter. It wasn't all that long ago that a billionaire buying a storied news publication was a sign of hope and optimism. After all, they had money to lose and they'd earned their fortunes by creating something new. Citation needed. Maybe they could figure out how to make media work. And what about private equity? It's an industry premised on turnarounds, acquiring underperforming companies, reimagining them and making them succeed. Or the classic family-owned publication, keeping a business in the family with no goal of excessive profits, just a certain amount of stability to keep the legacy alive. Unfortunately, it seems no category of owner appears able to salvage a media business in decline while business models still stuck in the past and editorial models built for the world of face bag and tick child and AI, the media sector facing a crisis unlike anything seen since the 2008 financial mess with layoffs and cost cutting at every turn. The cuts have all occurred in the backdrop of declining web readership of many major publications over the past year. And tech giants like the, the Fang, Meta, Instagram, Facebook, Google, try to keep consumers on their own platforms, and even places like Twitter no longer deliver many readers as the social media landscape fractures. Washington Post, LA Times, Time, Condé Nast, Sports Illustrated, Business Insider, New York Daily News, National Geographic, Baltimore Sun, all in the news this month for layoffs, cost-cutting, labor walkouts, or bleak prognosticating. Maybe, hopefully, they could all hashtag learn to farm. As, remember, they made fun of the farmers being put out of work for the new 15-minute city agenda 2030 sidebar. The B in media businesses have been battered on the business side, where programmatic advertising and legacy brand deals still make up a disproportionate amount of revenue, and on the consumer side with people who used to get their news from legacy outlets now getting their news from TikTok, Apple, or niche digital publications, such as New World Next Week. And the looming threat of generative AI still hasn't taken its toll on the business, though the executives at every company see what's coming. See New York Times lawsuit against Microsoft and OpenAI. And that may be the key. In 2008, the ad market was battered by a market crash, and new platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube posed a novel threat to legacy media business. It's just that those traditional businesses didn't see what was coming at the time. In 2024, we are in another ad recession, but everyone is more clear-eyed about the state of affairs. And unlike in the past when it was buoyed by lucrative carriage deals, the TV news industry won't be immune from revenue misses that have plagued newspapers and websites. As current CNN CEO Mark Thompson, he is the former New York Times head, but also more importantly the former BBC head who looked the other way over Jimmy Savile's legacy, he wrote to CNN staff January 17th, quote, the traditional TV universe is shrinking steadily. The shift from linear broadcast to digital means that the audience for all news channels on U.S. cable has fallen by roughly a fifth in just the past two years, end quote. It just seems like no one, not the billionaires, not the private equity turnaround experts, not the family legacies, have a sure sense of how to make it work. James, this Hollywood Reporter writer sounds sort of like a incompetence theorist where you ascribe all these misdeeds to, oh, they're just dummies that don't know what they're doing. But conspiracy realists like us know that, like on 9-11, I think they my hop. I think they made it happen on purpose, James. 
what order will they, of course, try and make out of this chaos as they wreck all the legacy systems? You know, that's a very good, very, very important question. But before we snatch defeat from the jaws of this victory, let's take a second to dance on the graves of these dinosaurs. <laughs> because let's just enjoy the schadenfreude for for one moment here. Uh, this is not news, really, to any of our viewers, because we've been documenting this Every single year on New World Next Week, at least once a year, we have the story of, you know, new uh, mainstream media hits new record lows in terms of viewership or or um, a record poll, uh, a record low trust in mainstream media year after year after year. We've been documenting this and it's been funny watching the mainstream media talking heads vaguely starting to realize, you know, that thing that we saw a couple decades ago, I think that might have been a comet. But, oh, whatever, we're fine <laughs> as they're going extinct. Well, here we are. And I know you've been covering this. I can't even avoid this on my news feeds right now. It is non-stop mayhem and apocalypse Armageddon in the media, the mainstream media world right now. Chaos, fury, engulf Los Angeles Times in historic cuts to newsroom. Daily news workers walk out to protest owners Alden Global Capital who shrink the budget to fill their pockets. Condé Nast and other publishers stare into the abyss. Blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. We put Sports Illustrated layoffs on the record last week. There's stories like this coming out every single day. Here's one of my favorites. Games are helping the New York Times thrive amid media chaos, where uh, Axios reveals that, in fact, the most popular part of the old gray prostitute is not the newspaper anymore. No, it's their games app. And especially their big breakout hit, Wordle, which had 4.8 billion plays last year or something like that. So, yes, now the New York Times is essentially a games company because it's the only way they're going to make any uh, actual revenue, apparently, at this point. Um... Craziness. Absolute craziness. So anyway, we're old enough to remember the old media paradigm, late 20th century, the few corporations that controlled everything, and it was all this mainstream news, and that was the only thing that existed. Well, here we are, dancing on their graves. Whew. But exactly as you say, what order will they get out of this chaos? And we're already, I, we already know to some extent how this can go very wrong in a different direction than uh, the direction that it was heading in the 20th century. So, for example, uh, the my story of the year for 2023, the 6024 news cycle, is one of the effects of the uh, the digitization and the online nature of the internet um, information dissemination that's going on right now and how everything, every minute, there's a new story pumping through the news feeds, which um, has a lot of um, a lot of different effects. I mean, one, of course, is contributing to the 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 TikTokization of the attention span of the average youngin who cannot concentrate on anything for more than a minute. We've already lost them just talking this much. Oh my God, James, you talk too much. <laughs> so, all right, nice not knowing you, but unfortunately that is a real phenomenon that is really happening now. Also, I've noticed you pointing out on your morning show lately about these these literal TikTok kind of independent media where they'll post some completely contextless clip of something. No information about where it comes from, no link to any source for it. It's cut up and it's completely, there's just nothing for you to understand what it is. It's just you get to see 30 seconds of some people talking about something and then it's gone. What is that? It's a digital fart in the wind. It is gone as, as soon as it happens. And who knows? That is sort of the, the media space that we're moving into. And I just had a really interesting conversation the other day with my friend uh, Vinny Caggiano about the flattening 
of all information, everything, the flattening of everything out into content in the internet space so that an earthquake that kills thousands of people is exactly the same as, oh my God, did you see what Taylor Swift did at the latest sports ball game? And it's all, it all just becomes this, this mm-hmm. instant hit of nonsense and meaningless decontextualized information. That is the information space we're moving into where we will be at least as prone to the manipulations of powerful interests as we were in the old media paradigm. So no, this is not like, yay, let's dance around Darth Vader's funeral pyre. It's done. done. (laughs) The galactic empire is gone. No, no, it's here in a different form. But at any rate, at the very least, we get to enjoy the schadenfreude of all the old Uh, MSM talking heads and watching them go down with their Titanic ship. I guess I get frustrated with with what you're speaking of, the sort of alternative media and, you know, stupid woke clown world kind of channels that put up, again, these videos, no link, no... It's not unlike what advertisements turned into. It's like, man, that was funny. I have no idea what they were advertising, though. I guess I, I find it... I don't know if offensive is the word, because myself and others like me and you have worked so hard these last 20 years to source and cite everything we talk about to back it up, to prove it. And I guess that just all piles in with the post-truth era of Trump and all of that. They don't care anymore. James, we used to sit down at 6 o'clock and watch the local news. And then at 6.30, the national news came on. Now, of course, we know now that that's a controlled bit of propaganda, but just the the length of the shows and the amount of time you were able to sort of invest in a story, I think there was at least maybe a bit more critical thinking back then. And I remember asking my parents, what's that mean? Asking my parents stuff. You can see why I turned out the way that I did. But again, it's just been drilled down to what is on the fantastic Max Headroom show that's really, really ahead of its time. They have blipverts, and that's advertisements compressed down into just a couple of microseconds. And if you're not healthy enough, they, you know, might make you blow up. That's how we get going on this New World Next Week, episode 543, starting out with maybe the easier stuff instead of, you know, just right in with World War IV. Pentagon admits it has no evidence Iran was behind the drone attack that killed three U.S. troops in Jordan. Grabbing this from the always important antiwar.com. Pentagon on Monday said Iran bears responsibility for the drone attack in northeastern Jordan that killed three U.S. troops, but admitted it has no evidence that Iran was directly involved. Pentagon spokeswoman Sabrina Singh said the responsibility fell on Iran due to its support for Iraqi Shia militias the U.S. believes carried out the attack. Quote, in terms of attribution for the attack, we know this is an Iran-backed militia. It has the footprints of Hezbollah, but we're not making a final assessment, she said at a press conference. Iran continues to arm and equip these groups to launch these attacks, and we will certainly hold them accountable. When asked if the U.S. knew Iran and Iranian leaders were, quote, actually behind this attack, as in planned, coordinated, or directed it, Singh admitted the U.S. had nothing to show that. We know that Iran certainly plays a role with these groups. They arm and equip and fund these groups. I don't have more to share on. You can see she's 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 basically adjusting, and you can see the the ellipsis in the transcript. Uh, I don't have more to share on terms of an intelligence assessment on if leaders in Iran were directing this attack. 
Singh was again asked about the claim that Iran was behind the attack and said the U.S. just knows that Iran funds these groups and has nothing more to add. Later in that press conference, she said Iran bears responsibility for the killing of three American soldiers. Also on Monday, the aforementioned New York Times reported that the U.S. intelligence officials had no evidence Iran had advanced knowledge of the attack. Quote, American intelligence officials say that while Iran provides weapons, funding, and sometimes intelligence to its proxy groups, there is no evidence that it calls the shots, meaning that it may not have known in advance about the attack in Jordan, the report reads. Iran has strongly denied it was behind the attack and said the resistance factions were targeting the U.S. forces in the region due to its support for the Israeli slaughter in Gaza. Since mid-October, around October 7th, U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria have come under attack about 160 times, they say, and the U.S. has never produced evidence to show Iran was directing these operations. Comments come from Singh as Biden is mulling what his response will be to the killing of three American troops. He is under pressure from hawks in Congress to bomb Iran directly, and a previous report from the Times said that's something the administration would consider in response to the deaths of the U.S. troops despite the risk of a full-blown war with Iran. Even more peculiar, James, from the AP, from the Associated Press, enemy drone that killed U.S. troop in Jordan was mistaken for U.S. drone. U.S. forces may have mistaken an enemy drone for an American one and let it pass unchallenged into a desert base in Jordan where it killed three U.S. troops and wounded a dozen more. Details of the Sunday attack emerged as President Joe Biden faced a difficult balancing act of how to keep your two-party illusion cult from noticing your murderous hypocrisy while blaming Iran and looking to strike back in a forceful way without causing any further escalation of the Gaza conflict. Now, James, I've made the decision. It just really hit me this week. I'm calling it the Gaza Holocaust. We should use the word Gaza Holocaust. Use their words against them. But you might, of course, get in, get in trouble for that. Labor suspends MP over Gaza remark in Holocaust message. So, of course, she immediately bent the knee and apologized for words that she said. But, of course, these multi-generational serial killers never apologize for anything, it seems. James? Exactly right. And you raised some interesting points about that Iran-Jordan Iran story. Um, especially, the, you know, hey, that looked like a U.S. drone. So it just raises the possibility. How difficult it is it is it in this day and age, especially with unmanned aerial vehicles, for uh, a false flag like that to take place, where it is actually an American drone, but they, you know, it kills someone, they shoot it down, they say it was Iranian. How do we know? You know, it's one of those things that they could gin up very, very easily. In fact, much more easily back than they did back in the olden days where there was actually people involved. Um, do you remember when uh, Dick Cheney was mulling about uh, dressing up Iranian PT, uh, dressing up U.S. servicemen as Iranians and putting them on uh, mock Iranian PT boats to attack American ships? Pepperidge Farm remembers, by which I mean CorbettReport.com. If you go to CorbettReport.com, just type Iran into my search bar, do you, do you know I have two search bars now? <laughs> Just in case you get confused. Anyway, type Iran into either of my search bars and you will find tons and tons of coverage that I've done on this over the years. I know you've done it uh, over at MediaMonarchy.com because it has been clear for decades now. The, the neocon side of the deep state certainly has been slobbering over themselves, lusting to get into Iran under any pretense whatsoever. One specific example we could cite on that, I'll cite the uh, work that Gareth Porter did back in the mid-2000s about the, the IEDs. It's Iran supplying those IEDs in Iraq that are killing American soldiers, I tells ya. 
which of course was complete and total bunkum, which Gareth Porter undermined in uh, a series of articles that he wrote at the time. Anyway, um, it's just the same old thing. Uh, Iran is vaguely linked somehow in some way we can't specify to some group that uh, we're telling you was the one that was behind this attack, although we have no information on it. Oh, okay, good enough for me. Let's go guns blazing into World War III, guys. That is what... They, they think you are that stupid that you will fall for that, but we are not that stupid. Anyway, this is just constantly simmering under the surface. And at any rate, we have to understand this is on the table, that they can and will play that card at any time they feel it is most convenient to. And it is only a question of whether the next card is the Scamdemic card or the Financial Collapse card or the, hey, let's go into Iran card. But it's on the, it's in the deck and they've got it up their sleeve. Uh, in related news, the U.S. Navy has again lowered their standards of recruiting because they're not, they're not meeting those numbers. They must know they're going to need some fresh meat for the grinder. And James, you mentioned the, the neocons. Those are the neocons that, remember, all the Obamas and Clintons all loved and missed once, once Orange Man was bad, once they suddenly discovered that the deep state existed. Our third and final story, our wild card story, as I like to say on these New World Next Week episodes, Elon Musk's Neuralink put in its first human brain implant. Elon Musk says his ambitious plan to let humans wirelessly connect their brains with phones and other devices has taken a new step, announcing that the first human has received a brain implant from his Neuralink company. Person who wasn't identified is recovering well, Musk said via the platform formerly known as Twitter that he's helping circle the bowl. Initial results show promising neuron spike detections, he added, referring to the cellular activity between our brains and our nervous systems. The news comes months after Neuralink began recruiting potential human test subjects for its clinical trial. The company, of course, got Food and Drug Administration approval for the trial last May, saying it wanted to enlist people ages 22 and above who are living with quadriplegia or spinal cord injury or ALS. Neuralink clinical trial, you gotta, I'm always telling you, you gotta have an acronym, PRIME, Precise Robotically Implanted Brain Computer Interface. Where'd the B go? <laughs> as, as the name implies, <laughs> the process involves using a robot to surgically insert the wires of the company's implant into a part of the brain related to movement. The design, the device, is designed to interpret a person's neural activity so they can operate a computer or smartphone by simply intending to move. No wires or physical movement are required. Neuralink says its implant procedure employs custom-made microscopic needles, and as the company last October said, the tip is only 10 to 12 microns in width, only slightly larger than the diameter of a red blood cell. Okay, just a little pinprick. The size, the small size, allows threads to be inserted with minimal damage to the cortex, they claim. The goal of the prime trial, the company said in a promotional video, is to place a small, cosmetically invisible implant in a part of your brain that plans movement. In other news... Elon Musk's Neuralink killed at least 1,500 animals in four years while testing this, and those are the 1,500 that we know about. So, of course, as we've talked about, these new technologies, space-age amazing futuristic developments. How can you deny the benefit of putting tracking chips in our pets or our demented parents? But, James, I bet a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people might have trouble getting these installed because they don't have brains in the first place. But, um, psst. <laughs> Unfortunately, very true. But my God, yeah, what a story. And 
it may be not safe for work or not safe for life, but if you are ever so inclined as to look up the details of those thousands mm. of uh, test animals that were killed as a result of this experimentation, it is horrific. Some of the uh, the reports that came out about that, the, the monkeys that would get these brain devices implanted in them and then would literally scratch themselves bleeding to the point they were going out of their minds insane with pain and had to be euthanized, put out of their misery. But don't worry, guys, we're going to start putting this in humans. What could go wrong? Absolutely disgusting on every level. And here's the really fun part of this is that, as you always say, hey, they give us our heroes and our villains. And, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you see Musk as a hero or a villain. You're still playing into the paradigm. So you can take it from the Daily Beast. (laughs) Yeah, take it from the Daily Beast. Why we should be skeptical of Elon Musk's Neuralink implant claims, where, hey, I'll give it to them. They're saying, well, you know, really, at this point, literally, at least at the time that this was written a couple of days ago, we literally only have Elon Musk's word for it. There's not even a press release from Neuralink at this point. It's just Elon Musk said they did this, but there's absolutely nothing showing that they did this. So maybe we should at least reserve our our judgment on this until they actually provide proof that this has actually been done. But assuming it has been done. But then, you see, that puts it in this paradigm where, for for once, yeah, you see this uh, this MSM-adjacent outlet, this propaganda outlet, is actually being skeptical of a story precisely because, like Orange Man Bad, now it's Musk Spaceman Bad, right? It's like, oh, Elon Musk is the bad guy in this new paradigm they've created, which means, oh, okay, wait, but I'm against them, so I must be for Musk. So go Musk, and anything Musk does, great. I'm going to get that brain chip in me so hard to own the libs. Yay! <laughs> this is the nonsense of the heroes and villains paradigm circus uh, th- uh, wrestling stage show that they parade in front of us and get us to root and cheer and jeer for the, the bad guys or villains or the heroes. As uh, And it, again, it doesn't matter what side of the show we're supporting. It's a show. Get out of it. We do not want the brain chips. That's the bottom line of this. Elon Musk is a huckster. He lies about everything. He may be lying about this, but uh, he's not lying about wanting to brain chip you. And uh, if you take it, you're the sucker. I don't know that I have anything I could possibly add to that, James. Although we do have new things added to NewWorldNextWeek.com. That's another of my classic radio transitions. <laughs> <laughs> we do have brand new. Now, we've, of course, been talking about the beanies the last couple of weeks. Those are still shipping and awesome. But the new one, the new edition, Corber Report 2014 Data Archive. That is the USB flash drive. I'm not sure how many how many gigs that one's up to now, James, but each drive usually has a bit of an exponential jump. So that is now available on the store at newworldnextweek.com. Again, shirts, hoodies, hats, and caps, but also the work, the DVDs, the octopus, the music, all of that supports our work. Because as we've said, we've been doing this for each nearly 20 years apiece. And you've never seen ads. You've never heard us shilling some some vitality pills. It's just hopefully, James, hopefully it's it's the good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, I do stream news and music 40-some hours a week. And I also, of course, play this New World Next Week audio that you are listening to right now. I premiered after my Thursday morning monarchy before it is published anywhere. James, you doing all right on your end? You getting the getting the kinks worked out of the site? 
still working on it. And so I appreciate everyone and their their constructive and helpful feedback that's always delivered in a calm and nice manner. <laughs> As you can imagine. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, still working on things, tweaking things, getting it uh, nice. But at any rate, it is it is certainly coming along. And you say, never see an ad. That is true, unless you're clicking on a rumble embed. Uh, it just recently came to my attention that uh, I, it never happens for me, but uh, apparently for other people, when they click on rumble embeds on my site, it'll pre-roll some ad that has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with James Evan Pilato, nothing to do with Neural Next Week, nothing to do with the work that we do. That We don't put ads on it. That is rumble doing that. So I will never embed rumble again because, uh, no, we're not running ads and I don't want people watching ads on our work. So anyway, just in case you ever see an ad on my work, please know it's not me. It has nothing to do with me. Um, other than that, yeah, I am busy, uh, not only with the website, but also with the fake news awards that are coming very soon. We're putting the finishing touches on it. Speaking of dancing on dinosaur graves, but stay tuned. That will be coming in the near future. Awesome. That'll probably time out just perfectly, I bet, with the, uh, with the Grammy Awards. James, that is New World Next Week, episode 543. We got new logos, got new websites. I think, I think things are looking good here in 2024, and I appreciate you, buddy. They are, and deprogramming note, we should let the viewers know there will not be a New World Next Week next week, but there will be the week after next week, so stay tuned for that. All right, buddy. Thanks so much, man. Take care. Thank you.